Today is April 1st, and I am so excited to be releasing my podcast, Believe with Onyx Stone. Actually, I've been thinking about releasing a podcast for some time. Um, Excuse me, I planned on releasing it on June 1st, and um, then this thing that we're all trapped in called coronavirus, COVID-19, came on the scene and I wrestled with pushing it up, pushing it up. And then I thought, for what? Why wait? Now is as good a time as any for people to believe. Um, So I'm Onyx Stone. Welcome to Journeying With Me. Initially, when I thought about um, creating a podcast, I had a particular audience in mind. And so some of those thoughts will come out. And then when the coronavirus hit, I thought now better than ever, people just need support. Um, People need to know that their fears are okay, that it's okay that you're scared. It's okay that you're anxious. It's okay that you're frightened. It's okay that you don't know. Um, And I think a lot of times, even pre-corona, right? So there's pre-corona, we're in corona, but there will be a post-corona world. But before corona ever happened, you know, a lot of times we're just not given the opportunities and the spaces to really be vulnerable and say, I'm scared, I don't know, Um, I'm anxious, and this is what it's doing inside of my body. Also, as it's doing these things inside of my body, this is what's happening in my family. This is what's happening to me in uh, my work. And this is what's happening to my faith, Um, especially for people of faith. You know, in these times, we're quick to to quote our scriptures. And I would say to anyone, you and I should always have an arsenal um, ready to be fired at the enemy. We should always have the word of God near our mouths, in our minds, on our lips, on our hearts. It should be the guiding force for how we live. Um, And a lot of times this sort of um, the theology of what we're reading in the Bible or what the preacher has preached on Sundays, it doesn't have any legs to carry us through the week. And so the practicality of how we've heard the we've heard the word, right? Um, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We got it, but then being able to put it into practice with who we are. And so we're never not um, present. And for a lot of us actually being present in everything that's going on right now in the world is impacting us in more ways than one. I'm deeply, deeply, deeply concerned. And I have been for about three weeks thinking about the mental health fallout of COVID-19 and how it will impact people and thinking about the mental the mental health impact from um, the perspective that many people We're not talking about mental health or had not dealt with their mental health issues before COVID-19. So pre-corona, I am a huge advocate and a huge proponent that uh, especially black people, every black person in America deserves, needs, should have a therapist, a counselor, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, somebody that you go in and you talk to. Somebody who is not connected to your family. They don't know you. They only know the people you talk about because you talk about them on the couch. But I'm a huge proponent that everyone, every black person in America should have this. I'm black in case you didn't know. And so a lot of times in our communities and in our families, these things are shunned and they shouldn't be. Um, I myself am working on a doctorate. Um, doctorate in ministry and pastoral counseling and theology. So, you know, to be a pastoral counselor, um, eventually working towards LPC because I recognize the need. And so even a lot of times in our churches, when people are struggling with mental health issues, as I said, over and over in my courses over the last two years, you know, we believe Jesus oil and shout will fix it. And for many of us, it has not It's not that Jesus does not fix, he's not healer, he's not good. It's not those things, but we need Jesus and. We need Jesus and. We need Jesus and the therapist. We need Jesus and the medication. We need Jesus and the extra added help and support. So um, Believe is going to talk a lot about uh, my thoughts around some different things um, that I believe in our society people are just facing.
And I just want you to know I'm here to support, um, to support you in any way that I can. Some of the things that I'll be doing, maybe sometimes it'll be preachy, maybe not. I am going to preach, release a sermon that, um, that I had only because um, a colleague of mine, Reverend Wilson, Reverend Eli Wilson, had asked me to preach at his church back on March 15th. And this was the weekend when everything started just like that whole week. It was it was a, it was a very interesting week leading up to that because I was in my residency intensive week um, with with colleagues. And every day there's new information and every day things are changing and every day um, the landscape of what we knew is literally just being wiped away. And so um, I'm thinking about what I'm going to say for to the to 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 his congregation. And when he asked me to preach, he said, you know, it's Women's History Month. So, you know, make sure it's a sermon that's dealing with the woman. Fine. No problem. You know, and prayer was like, God, what will you have me say with so many women in the Bible? So many amazing women in the Bible. And um, I was directed to Hannah, which when he asked me, I said, I probably will preach from Hannah. And the more and more I looked at Hannah, who was one of absolutely my favorite, favorite Bible characters. My first sermon I preached was Hannah, a portrait of faith, my very first sermon. So I love Hannah, but you know, as I've grown in my faith and my theology and, and had theological training, I have seen Hannah and even Peninnah in very new ways. And so as much as I love Hannah, first Samuel chapter one, her story of just life and what we all, you can look at her so many different ways. All this time I've been reading her, I missed the part in the text where Eli says, go in peace. How how did I miss that? Right? All they always trying to read the Bible with new eyes and new understanding, which helps us grow in our faith, grow in our theology, grow in our understanding. And you and I will never understand and know a lot, lot about God. Like, it's just, we got to make room that, you know, for all of our reading, our knowledge, our understanding, there's going to be so much that we don't know. Um, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to release that. And that's what it is. It's while we're waiting, go in peace, go in peace. Um, and peace sometimes is so, so, so hard to, 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 to maintain and attain for so many people. And I know I hear my Christians say, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. I know I got that. Um, and so even as people have their minds stayed on thee, we struggle with peace. We we struggle with that balance of, of just being peaceful. And so this time of social distancing, which is not really social distancing. It really is about boundaries. This time of isolation, um, this time of separatism, this time of confusion. You know what? It's a lot going on. And as best you can today, I want you to have peace. I want you to believe you can have peace. In spite of the crazy, you can have peace. Right. I want you to believe that. And I'm OK that even before any of this, maybe you didn't know what peace was. Right. Life's been really crazy. It's been really hectic. It's been a real roller coaster for you. And I got that. But today, just for right now, I want you to settle into the web and the cocoon that you can have peace. You're worthy of peace. And and even if you don't believe it. Right. Because sometimes you just have to imagine things. Hello. I had imaginary friends as a child. I'm sure a number of people did. And I would always have a good time. My little imaginary friends, we always had the best food at my imaginary tea parties. We always had the best parties. We always had the best, best of time with these play people in my head. I want you to imagine as you're going throughout your day that before you take your next step, peace is waiting for you right there. And it's going to be really, really hard. None of these things, healing is not an easy process, right? That healing takes time. Healing takes work. Healing takes, it takes a lot, but you're going to get there. So, so today go in peace. That's what I'll be releasing, um, in a, in, in a few hours, on here, but I was telling some people, don't know who's going to listen, don't know who's going to get this, but today, what will you believe? Whatever it is, I hope it comes true for you. I'm Onyx Stone, and I look forward to us journeying together. Blessings.
Welcome back to Believe with Onyx Stone. As I mentioned in the welcome, I was going to release um, a little bit later on today a sermon that I prepared that I did not preach, but I think is appropriate for the times in which we live. Um, and so I wanted to just share it with you because I want you all to have peace, even as I myself need peace. So 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 13 through 17 is the text. Um, I'm using the new revised standard version. Um, you can read along with any version that you have. And just keep in mind that translations do change the way you and I will see the text. But in the new revised standard translation, I'll start at verse um, 12. It says, as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord. I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. Go in peace. Does anyone else miss the 90s? Beyond the time period before I had Bill's debt and the daily grind of work, the 90s was the most carefree time in my life. For my millennials, the 90s for me and my generation is what the 70s was for a generation before us, a good time. A few ingredients are needed to qualify as a good time. The right people, food, atmosphere, and always the right music. One of the things that sets the 90s apart from those born towards the end of the 20th century is the music. Missing the music of that era is a deep and personal lament. There was Mary J. Blige, High Five, Boys to Men, Jagged Edge, Monica, Mariah Carey, Faith, Intro, Jodeci, and Anything by Brian McKnight. And of course, there were the soundtracks waiting to exhale above the rim and the five heartbeats to name a few. My soundtrack from the 90s still brings up a range of emotions in me. Happiness, sadness, joy, gratitude, smiles, tears, hope, and a nostalgia that makes me want to go into chill mode. You know what chilling and chill mode is. Anybody ask you what you're doing? Nothing just chilling. You good? I'm chilling. We understand chilling to be a cultural colloquialism that translates I'm good, feeling good, looking good, smelling good, even if everything around me is not so good, I'm chilling. There's a 90s song by a guy called Let's Chill. Even though R&B crooner Aaron Hall is singing to his lover, there's a line that frames this text. All my love is for you. Whatever you want, I will do. You're the only one I want in my life. For you, I'll make the sacrifice. So baby, let's chill. Elkanah and his family are making their way to Shiloh. Together they are trekking through uneven roads, desert weather, and pressing their way because all of their love is for God and it is time to go to the house of the Lord for worship and sacrifice. Jerusalem has not been established and Shiloh is the premier holy place for worship, sacrifices, and where the people come to meet God. It's not just Elkanah, but both his wives, Peninnah and Hannah, along with Peninnah and Elkanah's children. They are a family on their way to worship, but their home life is in distress. They have mastered things looking good on the outside, but inside, away from their public persona, their family life is chaotic, confusing, and challenging, at least for one of them. 
Hannah, this morning's heroine's cup is running over with sorrow and she is betwixt and between. She lives in a childbearing society that pressures women into motherhood, especially for male heirs, and she is unable to produce. Her husband gives her double portions, but she is deeply distressed. She has a loving husband, but tinkers on the verge of depression. She is in a praying, worshiping family, but she is miserable. She is tormented and teased, and yet she still comes to the house of the Lord. Penina represents COVID-19 for Hannah. For Hannah, Penina is wrecking havoc in Hannah's life, making her anxious and worried and panicky about things she absolutely has no control over. The Bible says it twice for clarity and certainty. It was the Lord who closed Hannah's womb, which lets us know the only person she can go to is God. Penina reveals what Hannah has been able to mask back at home in Rama that is revealed once she comes into the house of the Lord. Allow me to explain. COVID-19 is real. Penina's mistreatment and bullying of Hannah was real. Social distancing is real. This pandemic is real. Yes, this is really happening and none of this is going anytime going anywhere anytime soon. And quite honestly, COVID-19 is only preparing us for COVID-20, COVID-30, or whatever year another novel virus comes up in the near or distant future. How we respond during this crisis is going to determine what develops inside of us as people of faith, be it resilience, more tenacity, or a closer relationship to God. The very thing that God is using to draw you and I closer to God can be masked in human flesh or an unseen enemy masked as a highly contagious virus. It can be a man on TV that causes us to scratch our heads and wonder, is it me? It's not. Or it can be the very person in your home. It can be the saturation, inundation, and never-ending matriculation of news sources, or it is the reality. The God is in control, knows we are anxious, scared and afraid, and it's okay. If somebody knows anything about what I'm talking about, please meet me in the text. The Bible lets us know that though Hannah had made this journey to the house of prayer, a place of worship and where sacrifices are made, she is weeping bitterly, fasting from the tension, distressed and miserable. After all, she was familiar with the routine and rituals of worship. After growing up in a Jewish family, marrying a man connected to a priestly tribe, she knew what to do. Sacrificing and worshiping was something she had been doing her entire life. But on this trip, she brings her fullness to God's house and does something that she also knows how to do. What she had also been doing her entire life. What her foremothers and forefathers had also done before her. She wanders off from her family and begins to pray. Everybody should know a thing or two about prayer. It is communication between earth and heaven, sinners and the divine, God and humanity. And as we have this holy conversation, we who are here on earth believe that something is happening in heaven that God will hear and respond to. We pray not to move the hand of God or receive blessings from God. But we pray because we love God, we trust God, and we believe that God is listening, God cares, and something will happen in the holy atmosphere that will transcend what's going on in the earthly atmosphere that empowers us to keep pushing, keep going, keep believing, keep trusting in whatever we do, keep praying, don't ever stop praying. Hannah doesn't come before God in any spectacular way. Quite the opposite, she comes broken, hurting, and sad. Let this encourage someone who thinks that they have to come before God a special kind of way or come before God happy and not be their most authentic self. 
If you're sad, tell God. If you're depressed, tell God and your doctor that God also created who can prescribe you medication that will help you. If you're grieving, tell God. If you're lonely, tell God. The church used to sing a song, have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry and answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer will turn and you know that the fire is burning just a little talk talk with Jesus makes it right. Not a lot of talk, just a little talk. And sometimes there are no words. In verse 11, Hannah uses words and makes a vow to the Lord, a promise, if you will, for her deepest heart's desire. By verse 13, she is out of words and only her lips are moving. Only her lips are moving. I like the 90s because I grew up in the 80s because I was born in the 70s. But but back in the day, the church would have this ritual that I absolutely loved. This ritual happened every time the doors of the church opened and it was called devotion. I love devotion. I miss devotion. And devotion, devotion had a few elements that for the elders of any church today, this was their good time week after week. I cannot sit here in front. The more lit devotion was, the more I knew how lit church service was going to be. Deacon so-and-so would raise a hymn and as the people poured into the sanctuary, as the people poured into the sanctuary, and another deacon so-and-so would start praying and Lord, could they sing and pray? Some of the prayers would begin with hymn lyrics and as I think about it, maybe deacon so-and-so couldn't think of anything to say. On better days, it was what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And on not so good days, it was, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know if thou withdraw thyself from me. Oh, where, oh, where will I go? And then on some days, he would just hum. Because sometimes there are no words and we are still connecting to God. Hannah is in the place. She's doing what she knows how to do in the place. And y'all, Eli the priest is in her business. Actually, he's watching her pray. It's in the text. In my role as pastor, for some reason, there is a misbelief, and I say misbelief because it's not true, even though people tend to believe it, but there is a misbelief that somehow those at the front of the church don't deal with the same things that people in the pew are dealing with. It's somehow our feelings, our hurts, our humanity gets discounted and dismissed because of a title, position, and structural location because we're seated at the front. That we can take on our own problems, the unrest in our household, the fears of the people, the concerns of the community, the pandemic, and not be impacted. Eli had his own challenges in his own house named Hophni and Phineas, two of his children. And like Hannah, he too is in the house of the Lord. Now he's in there. And it looks like he ain't doing nothing. He's positioned where he's supposed to be. The Bible says he's sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple. That's his position. Eli was in a prime position to see who was coming to worship and who wasn't, who was growing and developing in their faith and who was coming to the temple out of duty, ritual, routine, and not relationship, who was going through the motions and who was lingering. Our sister Hannah is lingering. Unlike you, unlike Eli, you and I have enough information to draw a conclusion that what she has been going through is causing her to linger. The way she has been feeling is making her heavy, possibly unable to move. So she lingers. The intimate partner, domestic violence she has been going through in her home is making her uncomfortable and scared and not wanting to return to her house of terror. And so she lingers. 
It seems as if God has forgotten about her because she looks around and sees that everybody else is blessed and everyone else's prayers are being answered and everybody else is moving on up and she just wants one thing from God. And God acts like everybody and everything is more important than this here servant and so she lingers. Sometimes we have to linger. Sometimes we have to linger. Sometimes we have to linger. Online dictionary says that linger is to stay in a place longer than necessary because of a reluctance to leave. Stay in a place longer than necessary because of a reluctance to leave. She's reluctant to leave where she came not feeling her best. She's trying to stay in that place just a little while longer that will now serve as a temporal cocoon for the spiritual conception that was birthed in her pain and trauma. And y'all, I just believe that somewhere in Hannah's mind and spirit, she said, even though I came in one way, Today it stops. Today I'm not leaving the same way. Today is the day that Penina won't get me down anymore. I can't get any lower than I am when I'm on my knees. So I'm going to pray my way through her nonsense, through her disrespect, through COVID-19, through election cycle 2020, through incompetent and arrogant leadership, through misinformation and lies, through misrepresentation, through it all. Today is the day but y'all what if it's not what if today is not the day Hannah comes Eli is watching now if no one else knows where they are he should because he's the priest so he should know better than to think or assume that this woman this praying woman is drunk. He knows what season they are in. To think it is one thing, to say it out loud is something different. So I'm going to call spiritual trauma. He says to her, how, how long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. Ouch. But y'all, Hannah's resilience is on point. She's been through enough in her physical home that allows her to respond differently in her spiritual home. In this space, she is strengthened and strong and has not been over but standing straight. And she says, no, my Lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. It was not just one thing that got Hannah to this point. I think I can safely say that her admission of great anxiety and vexation came from a number of things. COVID-19 is just one more thing on top of all the other things that you and I have been dealing with. It was this yesterday, something else last week, four things two years ago, and don't even get nobody started on their childhood. As if you and I needed just one more thing. But Hannah is open and vulnerable enough that she can sense that even if I don't get immediately what I prayed for, I'm not willing to leave God's house empty handed. I'm not leaving the same way that I came in. I may have come in weeping bitterly, but I'm leaving with moisturized skin from the natural benefit my tears will bless all this melanin with. I may have come in with a heavy heart, but I'm leaving lighter than when I came in because I chose to release all my pain, all my sorrows, all my burdens, and all my anxiety onto the Lord. I'm it all. I came in deeply troubled, but next week won't be a repeat performance of this week or the week before because I came in one way, but I'm leaving everything here. I'm not taking it with me. God, you can have it. Matter of fact, Eli, the priest, you can have it too. Here you go because I just can't handle it anymore. 
For all the problems that I have with Eli, the man and father of two deeply problematic children, I have great respect for Eli, the priest, who doesn't attempt to pacify her with woo-woo-woo theology or sweeten her belief system. No, he doesn't do any of that. He doesn't give her false promises that everything will be okay. Just turn around, run around the temple, shout hallelujah, and it will be better. He doesn't do that. He gives her what she needs that recognizes her linger while affirming her faithfulness for pressing her way despite all the pandemonium going on around her. He simply says, go in peace and maybe that's too simple for you but maybe that's what we need in these urgent and critical times we live in simplicity shiloh means tranquility town or the peaceful one and while she went there to pray as was her ritual as was her custom she had no idea she was in the right place she came in one way but she will leave another way tranquility is the quality or state of being tranquil another word for calm another word for chill you got it go in peace you came to tranquility town to get what you need to go on a little while longer go in peace Miss Hannah, you will need to leave the temple to go half on a baby with your husband to find out if God has indeed heard your prayer and will answer you. Go in peace. And may the God of all Israel grant you your request. The God of all Israel is the God of all New York, the God of all Detroit, the God of all California, the God of all Florida, the God of all Israel is the God of all the world. Beloved, I speak peace over you today. You may be heavy and vexed and anxious and worried. You may have even tested positive for COVID-19, but I speak peace over you today. Go in peace. You are entitled to be sad and have a heavy heart. It's okay. I speak peace. Go in peace. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what's happening. We can't believe. We, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. It's okay. Go in peace while you're waiting. You and I can have peace while we wait. Amen. Hello, hello, hello. I am Onyx Stone and welcome to Believe with Onyx Stone. Um, as I mentioned before, um, I actually wanted to start my podcast on June 1st. And why did I want to start it on June 1st? Well, because I was going to have some of the things I think I needed to start a podcast on June 1st. One of those was um, I had looked at some um, studios where you can do podcast recording so they get rid of all of the, the background noise, you know, make it sound nice. Um, wanted to get the microphones, get the publicity, whatever, whatever you need it for um, starting a podcast. And then I thought, listen, um, the civil rights heroes and sheroes of the 1960s didn't have a cell phone and they changed the world. We think we need the things that we need to do the things that we want to do and really all you need is you to get started um so that's where we are i'm not waiting um so if you hear background noise you hear background noise if it doesn't sound quite how i would even want it to sound it's okay you heard the words you were able to listen so welcome um i wanted to talk a little bit today about um I mentioned it in the, the, the homily sermon, you know, what if today isn't the day? What if today is not the day? Um, when, when, when life explodes, when the rug and carpet is pulled out from underneath 
your feet when you are so low so broken that you cannot even see your features in front of you i mean you can't even see the tip of your nose things are just really really bad what do you do where do you go um and so for people of faith we are always talking about you know this change that's coming and it's coming please hear me I'm a person of deep faith. I have pastored in small congregations. Both the churches that I pastored were, were small congregations. So I've, I've, I've been a pastor. I am a pastor. Um, I, I, I work in a ministry context. I um, am working on an advanced degree for ministry to become you know, a better practitioner. So I am a Christian. I am a person of faith when I, when I speak to you in these ways. But when you or I, when I have been at my lowest, right? I, I didn't know what to do, didn't know what was going on with me. I just needed something to believe in. And I wanna be clear that I never stopped believing in God, right? I am who I am because I have always kept my faith in God. But when everything around you shifts, Oh my God. And God seems so far away. That's a very difficult place. It's a very difficult and challenging, tight, uncomfortable place. Um, and so there's a lot going on in the world, but there's also a lot going on in your home. Uh, many people, their homes have immediately become offices. <laughs> you know, you're given the option to work from home. Be grateful for that. So many people recently have lost their jobs. Um, so many people who are home and off of work because they're um, working from home have often have also become um, educators. You now are the sole educator for your children. I bet you will go into those parent-teacher conferences with a different attitude and mindset and energy and spirit for next year, won't we? Yes, we should. Um, but everything has shifted and changed in such a way, in, in, in such a short amount of time right um so today is not the day right today is not the day that you're going to immediately feel better today is not the day that everything will come together and you can look back and no today is not the day for some of you right and the thing to always remember about growth and progress is that we're all in different places we're all in different places recently i did a memorial service for um, a group of men and as they were reading the liturgy, everyone was reading at a different pace. Everyone, right? But we got through it. And that is the same about our growth, about our transformations, about even we have to talk about this great season of mourning and grief that is going to hit the world because of COVID-19 um, as a result uh, as a result of all of the losses, so many losses. We have to be able to grieve our losses. And, and to be able to grieve, it means I have to recognize that a loss has occurred and you know all of the feelings that I had around that for people who have had to cancel vacations, for people that are um, postponing and canceling weddings, for even those who have had loved ones that have died, whether it was a result of the disease, the virus, or as a result of natural causes. Um, um, I saw in the news where New York, they were taking um, refrigerated trucks and they were turning them into temporary morgues. And so not being, you know, not being able to be with your loved one in the hospital as they were battling for um, the final seconds of their life and they were transitioning or if your loved one just suddenly died, right? That I don't think at this time, I think it's especially here on the Eastern Seaboard that um, funeral home directors are not, there's no funerals happening right now. Um, last week, I can't remember where it was, but um, ice skating rinks 
were going to be serving as temporary morgues, right? So this this great this great grief that we're in, this great mourning, this great loss, and and it's very communal. It's very communal that all of us are a part of an amazing piece in history. Um, so it's important to be really kind with yourself. Um, it's important to to acknowledge that this will be a communal trauma. Yes, trauma, that, that thing that happens, that it impacts you, that after this is over and the people run out of their homes and the buildings because the distancing, the physical distancing of not being around people is over, you know, there's going to have to be some revisions to how we encounter, how we engage how we re-enter into a new part of this system and the world and really be willing to admit that we're all going to have now this trauma this this trauma that is in addition to all of the other traumas that you and I have experienced that a lot of us are not thinking about, talking about, working through and healing from and those things. And so for Hannah, as she's in that place, she's very broken. She was extremely broken, right? That bullying is real. And you can be bullied by a number of people. Um, I don't think, I could be wrong, but I'm telling you what I think. I don't think that the bullies from our childhood and times past stopped becoming bullies. No, those are the bullies on your job. And some of the people who got bullied in times past are even bigger bulliers at the job because now they have a title, they have a position and, you know, all of that that comes with that. You know who they are. And so she is very broken in her humanness, right? Her spirit is probably broken. Um, her mind, her mental state on some level as being barren, she must think that her physical body is broken. There's something wrong with her. And yet here she is, she's praying, right? Um, and I have to believe that even in her brokenness, that Hannah knew it would not immediately turn around. That it would not immediately change and get better because we don't have, you know, she's saying, God, if you give me the son, you give me, I will give the son back to you. And so she has to know that a part of me being broken means I got to pick myself up enough to be able to leave here today. Don't know what's going to happen later, but I have to believe that I can, I have the strength to get up from where I am and go out and face the day. And that's very difficult. And so she doesn't do it on her own, <laughs> on her own. She's probably not able to, because when you and I get to the place where we are beaten down, we are broken, um, one thing on top of another, and this being another thing and a thing we can't control, you have to have the right kind of support. Um, I've heard people say they don't watch the news. Then I heard people say, some other people say, you know, they're always watching the news. I myself um, keep it on a news source. And I keep it on a news source because I want to be informed. Up against the information that I have, you know, I'm also some things they say, I'm like, oh, that don't really make much sense to me. And then some other things they say, I'm like, hmm, OK, I'll keep that in the back of my head. Um, and so a lot of information is coming out and the information is changing. Right. The info, the sources are the same, the same news reporters, but the information seems to be shifting. They get steady on one thing and then it shifts because I think that's the nature of the virus. So we can't take everything they're saying with um, as absolute truth. Know yourself enough to know that you can keep yourself safe. Believe that you can keep yourself safe. Believe that you can keep people you love safe. 
Believe that as this history is unfolding and transforming, that you will have played a major part in it. Because you helped the doctors and the nurses and the medical staff. You helped because you believed enough about what was said to do something. You have a part to play. And so sometimes we can't do those things by ourselves. Hannah could not physically, you know, I don't believe this was a woman who could just walk out of the doors and just return to life and be okay with pinning it. Eli had to tell her you could go. Go in peace. That means leave. But when you leave, leave differently than when you came in peace. So this this part, this act, they're asking all of us social distancing, which is really not social distancing. I, I keep hearing people say, you know, I'm tired of being in the house. Can we just be grateful that we have a house to be in? Um. So my closest reality to being homeless was when I was seven years old. My closest reality to being homeless was when I was seven years old. This is a huge trauma for me in my life because our house was set on fire by an arsonist and I almost lost my life in the house fire. If my mother had not come into the room to get me when she did, and she this was her second or third time, but I'm a sleepyhead. I was sleeping very hard. I was a child. I played hard every day, all day. I was in school every day, all day. My father brought us back to the house later that night than normal. So my brother and I were really tired. So it's, it's not anyone's fault that my mother said, go to bed. I did what she told me to do. And then a few minutes, seconds later, here comes some psycho burning down people's homes. But this is a huge trauma for me. This closest that I, the closest memory that I have for being homeless is at seven when we left our house with only the clothes on our back. My mother had her purse. We had on pajamas. Roll. That's it. So the reality, the fact that many of us have places where we are in safety. And I don't want to use that word lightly because for some people, this time is not a time of safety, right? That child abuse cases are spiking, sickening. Stop abusing children. Domestic violence is on the rise. Disgusting. Keep your hands to yourself. So just because people are in homes, it is not safe for everyone. And I want to recognize that, right? That um, for some people, the minute they heard shelter in place and it was in home, they went into a panic. And for them, my heart breaks. And I think of them and pray for them often. But for the rest of the folks that's out here just complaining to be complaining because they stuck in the house, cut it out. Cut it out. That maybe this is the time to send a letter to someone and work on the restoration of a relationship because you have taken some time to think about your faults. I'm working on that. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the time to reach out to someone that you haven't spoken to in, some, in a while and just let them know I was thinking about you and I just wanted to see how you were doing. And when this is over, you know, I would like to see you again if you would like to go to lunch. Maybe this is the time to the people that you normally talk to. Expand that circle to people who don't really have anyone to talk to and they are having a more difficult time than you. So that the physical distancing is all it is, is physical. Socially, we're very connected. Everyone has most people, most people, I don't want to say everyone and assume that people have things when they don't, but a number of people have internet they're on social media, they're on emails, they're on Zoom. So all of these different platforms and ways to connect, use it to our advantage. But remember that there are some who don't and they will need an Eli. And that may be peace for them, right? That you're comforting someone, you are helping someone walk and get through this very difficult and challenging time. How will we show up in history? Herstory. Hello. 
things are evolving. So today is not always the day. It takes big courage. I was about to say something else. It takes big courage to say to someone, you know, I just want to let you know I was wrong. It takes great courage to reach out to people that you don't know how they're going to respond, but you don't want to be distant anymore. It takes great courage to be in a situation that you have absolutely no control over. But when you and I have the right support or just people that support us, we can do that. Even if they are not physically with us, Eli didn't leave his position sitting by the door, being in folks' business because he was the priest. He didn't go back home with Hannah. He sent her on her way. As a matter of fact, Hannah comes back to the temple a few um, years later and says, I promised the Lord that I would leave my son. Here you go. And she knew Eli and his people weren't right. But she did her part. We all have a part to play. One of the things that I really like about the news is um, I've been listening faithfully to Governor Andrew Cuomo. And um, every day I'm like, oh, my God, I want, I want to hear what the governor has to say because he talked right. I want to hear what that man has to say. And he's always so calm. Like, I feel like he's talking to me. Like, Onyx, I'm talking to you. I'm with you in your living room. And I'm like, cool. And then I watch other news reports, and then I, I, I'm like, what? Cuomo didn't say that. That's not what happened. Then I have to remind myself that I do have some information. I, I have some facts. Um, I have some knowledge, and I don't. I can filter. We're gonna use strong filters during this time in history. Um. But Cuomo said today, he painted, this was on today's news report, his news conference, excuse me. He gave such a broad, broad picture of hope. You know, he was like, people going outside, returning to the park. And I'm like, I don't even like going outside to the park. I ain't played at the park since I was a kid, me and my cousins, Golden Gate Park. I haven't been to a park since. He said, he paints this great picture and then he said, but not today. But it didn't matter because I, the, 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 the hope and the seed had already been planted. Not today. Not, not today. And it's okay. Not today. Not today. Not today. But you keep believing because the day is coming. You keep believing and you keep painting these broad pictures and these broad themes and these broad hopes for your life and know that it's coming. Just not today. But even though it's not today, do not let it make you stop believing. 